by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison, junior touchdown. Marvelous Marvin. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. Welcome to Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football show. Uh, If things look and sound a little different here today, um, that's because they are. Uh, the host of Chasing the Nanny, Jared Palmgren, is out today. He's fine. Uh, he's just taking uh, care of some priorities. He needed the CFF team over at Campus Campin, Campus Canton to step up in his absence. And uh, step up we have. Today's show will be hosted by me, Nate Marquise. Also with us today is another CFF team member and jack of all traits at C2C, Chris Moxley. So today's show will cover uh, some spring campus news at the beginning, and then we'll take a look at some bounce back candidates. All of this March madness uh, that I've been watching has got me thinking about uh, rebounding, I guess. So uh, later we'll discuss some of those players that we think are in line for a potential rebound season. So uh, everybody probably going to have to bear with me at times here uh, from a technical standpoint, because I am am definitely not a tech savvy guy here. Um, Chris, do you consider yourself somebody that's, Fairly tech savvy. Not when it comes to this sort of thing. I okay. mean, I'm, I've been on a show. I was on show with Jared all last season. I did none of the technical work. So that's exactly, I, that's exactly how it is for me. You don't realize um, kind of what some of the things are that goes on behind the scenes with yeah. Jared and, until you try to take over for it. And you're like, oh man, this guy does a lot with like graphics and setting things up and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's going to be a, a skeleton set as far as graphics today, but we're going to, we're going to try to make it work. Uh, first things first here, let's, let's go over a couple things that I'm sure Jared would like for me to take care of. And that is uh, just uh, his his spiel here as far as the CFF team. I think most of you guys are probably familiar with us, but if you're not, uh, the CFF team here over at Campus Canton is Jared Palmgren, myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, and of course, Chris Moxley. Uh, we've got a, a number of other people here that help out uh, as well. And we, we take care of some podcasts, articles, rankings, um, ADP is going to be up on the site, everything like that. So lots of lots of stuff to check out over there. Um, obviously if you haven't yet, please like, and subscribe, uh, the podcast, the YouTube page, uh, try to do everything you can to, uh, to follow us here. Uh, five-star reviews are obviously important. So please do that. I know Jared's got a, uh, a goal of hitting a thousand subscribers. Be sure to check him out. He is at CFF Jared, uh, sorry, at CFF underscore Jared. Uh, and then the chasing the natty podcast is at chasing the natty so um be sure to check that out there uh chris do you want to give your uh your twitter handle while we're at it yeah you can you can find me and everything i do at chris moxley 19 um on twitter uh it's an amalgamation of cff c2c devi content just anything college football related a lot, of, a lot of focus on during the season, you know, like betting stuff, which I dive into a lot heavier. But now is yeah. now is kind of the chill period of the offseason, which is great. 
It is. Yeah. It, and that's why I call you the jack of all trades, because it does seem like you kind of dabble in everything over there at CTC. So your content's great. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit of a, of a slower period. But with can, uh, with the um, spring practices really are kind of in fully underway right now. We're starting to get more and more practice reports. Um, the there really isn't very many teams left to kick off spring anymore. Um, let's see here. I believe it looks like Marshall is going to be kicking off this week, as well as Connecticut, Maryland, UMass, and Akron. So, and that's that's pretty much it. On Saturday, April first, uh, not an April Fool's joke here. We actually have Michigan and Southern Miss uh, spring scrimmages. So uh, their spring games are going on. We got a couple, you know, at least one Power Five program and. We've had a few spring games also go on so far, so uh, we're kind of getting into the thick of things as far as the spring practices. Have you been keeping up with much of the spring practice reports? I know Matt does a fantastic job on uh, YouTube posting some of those. Yeah, I I watch what Matt puts out there, and that's really really helpful stuff. If you you know if you're not checking out uh, the Campscan YouTube page, I mean the possibly the most valuable information that we're putting out there currently, just keeping you yeah. up to speed and making sure that you're well aware when you're in these drafts, best balls, whatever that you do have um, access to current information. Cause a lot of things are changing very quickly. And we, like you said earlier, we we've have teams that are like done and have been done with spring for a while. So we know some of those changes that have already happened. Just make sure you're, make sure you're following those. Those are, those are really great. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's go ahead and dive into some of that, uh, some of the spring news that we have here. The first one that I want to touch on um, is what we're kind of finding out about at Ole Miss there in the Grove. So we've we've got some information as far as what the QB situation is and how that is playing out. And so far, it has been Jackson Dart pretty much taking all of the reps as QB one, uh, and then we have seen. Howard, as well as Spencer Sanders, kind of step in in this 2A, 2B. They're kind of splitting with the twos. It sounds like maybe Spencer Sanders isn't fully healthy, kind of still recovering from the shoulder issue that he had last year. Uh, But word is is that Howard is looking really good. Uh, His arm talent really stands out in that QB room. uh, And that it's maybe a situation where we're not, going to be able to count him out of the mix. Maybe this is a three-headed uh, QB race. Do you buy into that, Chris? Do you think he's got any shot in actually making some run here? I find it hard to believe. Um, I mean, he was a highly regarded recruit, right? He wasn't quite a five-star, right. five but he was, dark, he was darn close. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I liked what I saw from Jackson Dart at times, and I think that he's the most potential probably of any quarterback in that room. Just based on like his raw skill set, I, I think is probably the best. Um, but he's, he was just so up and down last year that I could, I mean, I could see at some point Howard stepping in or Sanders stepping in if they struggle at some, if either of them struggles at some point and you want a veteran back there. But it, it doesn't really surprise me that Dart's the one. Um, yeah, it's sometimes it's really hard to decipher. Okay, what is just, um, you know, what is just, puff piece work that these coaches are doing to try to prevent somebody from transferring. When you got three QBs in that room, you're trying to divide up the reps. Uh, you got to tell, you got to tell the reporters something. Otherwise, you know, if, if one person's clearly the guy and just going to get all the reps, then it's hard to uh, keep everybody there. But um, 
Dart looks improved, uh, you know, but that's, uh, you know, this is his, he's got the leg up because he's, this is his second year in that, uh, in that system there with Lane Kiffin. Uh, another just kind of a little interesting tidbit is that uh, Chris Marshall is actually running with the threes. That's the wide receiver that is a transfer from Texas A&M. Also a highly recruited guy. He was another borderline five-star uh, wide receiver. But yeah, he is transferred in and he's currently running with the threes. It's super early. Does that concern you at all if you have Chris Marshall shares? I mean, it has to a little bit, right? Like it's, it's early. Right. But this was a dude who... I believe he was a five star. Yeah. I believe he was a five star, but yeah, he's he's on the borderline right there. Um, he got kicked off. Well, he didn't get kicked off technically uh, the team, but I mean, he had an incident where he was there smoking weed in South Carolina's locker room yeah. and basically got suspended. And then the I think the relationship just dissolved where he left the program. Um, I don't know that if that's like who he is as a player or that's just like a mistake that he made, but. It always concerns me when something happens to a player that's really good. And he was on the field last year, too, which was a lot for Jimbo getting a freshman out there. Right. I, I I think you have to be concerned, but I'm not, like, to the point where I'm actively trying to shop him, I guess. The other uh, three wide receivers that were running with the ones was Jaden Knox, J.J. Henry, and Dayton Wade. Uh, that was the one. Sounds like Dayton Wade was actually looking pretty good. Uh, throughout uh, throughout the first couple of practices there. Uh, Prescorn, the transfer from Memphis, actually running as tight end one. I don't I, I couldn't read any further to see if there was any, uh, you know, any situation there with the um, uh, what's the other tight end starter that was Trigg. there last year? Trigg, Michael Trigg. So I don't know if maybe he's dinged up and they're just holding him out or if he's actually been overtaken already by Prescorn. But it is Prescorn right now that is running with the ones let's get player just yeah, just in he, general i mean i thought he was excellent last year yeah yeah all, all reports are that he looks pretty good there already at Ole miss that he's kind of making some waves so would not surprise me they're gonna have to go a lot of 12 12 personnel in order for both of those guys to be fantasy relevant but it's not something that's totally out of the question for lane kiffin and his offenses he, he's been able to and even though trig was the tight end one there last year they still ran a lot of two tight end sets so I don't think that's a foreign concept for them. Let's move it over to Lubbock, Texas, and let's talk about Texas Tech and a early uh, guy that's kind of making some waves here is Austin P. wide receiver transfer Dre McRae. Uh, word out of camp over there from both uh, offensive coordinator Zach Kittley and defensive coordinator Tim DeRuder is that he has been absolutely incredible with the amount of speed just totally wowing everybody with how fast he is and he has actually been compared to former texas tech great wide receiver jakeem grant so uh kind of an interesting comparison there uh what are your thoughts on mccray and how do you see that kind of that slot role playing out there between uh him xavier white and then we've also got um the other guy that was, gosh, his name is slipping me right now too. Uh, Miles the, Price. Miles My, Price, yeah, who was also somebody that we liked quite a bit last year. Yeah. What do you what do you see there? So I have been in a handful of drafts this offseason, and 
McCray goes a little bit earlier than I think I'm comfortable with. Uh, it's usually Nick who's taking him, by yeah, the way. Nick Allen's big, <laughs> big Dre McCray guy. Um, I think I think Mike Bainbridge is too, if I remember correctly. But okay. um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting because I actually really like Dre McCray, and he's the guy that I would draft first. I just think there's a lot of there's so much rotation last year in that room, right? Um, with with and I not a lot of guys leave either, and so it's just a really crowded wide receiver room. I'm still I like him; he'd be my preferred target. Um. I happened to catch him playing last year in their first game against Western Kentucky, and I was like, "Who the heck is this dude?" Right. Like, he jumped out immediately, and he um, looks he looks solid against Alabama last year too. They played Alabama. Yeah, he did. He, he he looked he looked nice. So I'm I'm excited. I just don't I just don't know how you can take him in the top like seven rounds of drafts, and that's functionally where he's going. Right. Yeah. I think my I'm with you. I. I think what I've seen from him on tape, and obviously now we're getting some some verified information from the coaching staff that uh, they like a lot of what they see. Problem is, Miles Price is also like he's considered the leader, the leader of that team, the leader in that room. He he is one of the guys. He's not, and and it is an offense that can definitely support two slot wide receivers. They're going to play four wide pretty much at all times. So um, I just wonder how many, and then, you know, we, we've also got some of the boundary wide receivers that I'm, you know, I kind of like their situation there too. It's just a lot of mouths to feed. It's kind of that, that same situation as Tennessee in their wide receiver room. And it's like, okay, do I just sit back and wait for whoever's got the most value or do I actually have a guy that I've got a firm stance on in this room? Well, I mean, that's what we got burned last year by miles price. We did play the of, same game, although the ADP is <laughs> a lot, a lot lower for McCray because I think we kind of learned our, our lesson at least a little bit. Yeah, and I think with Zach Kittley, a lot of people are going to be perfectly fine um, paying up for some of these wide receivers and taking the chance that you might get burned again, just because the the payoff can be so significant in this Zach Kittley offense and how often they throw the ball and how they utilize the slot position historically. So. I think it's it, it can be a, a risk worth taking, but know that it it also can be a little bit of a risk. But good to hear Dre McCray um, kind of making some some headlines already. Just a couple of uh, practices in here. Let's move over to to South Beach, Miami. We've got Colby Young as somebody who is looking like he's starting to separate as the wide receiver one for Miami. A, a lot of reports are that he has transformed his body um and that he has cut some cut some weight a little bit but has really put on good weight like he's just he he is no longer uh somebody that is soft by any means he has put on some really good weight and looking strong out there and apparently he also has a strong connection with quarterback tyler van dyke so uh, a lot of good reports coming out from there, obviously they've got the new offensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on Colby Young and, and that Miami offense as a whole? I am cautiously optimistic. How about that? How about <laughs> to, that? It, it, because of Mario? Yeah. Yeah. I, basically exclusively because of Mario. Right. Um, I like the hire they made of Shannon Dawson. I actually think that's the right mindset. Right. Um, they had Rhett Lashley there two years ago. Um, under the previous staff, if if Mario can get out of his way, I don't know that he can. And I'm really excited for Colby Young because I actually think Colby Young's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like he he's a player that I think can lead this wide receiver room, be productive. Um, 
he's only been at Miami for a year, right? I mean, he transferred in for correct. From, he yeah, he was at a community college though. He was he yeah he went to JUCO. He transferred last year was his first year there, and he was really pretty far down the depth chart until a few weeks into the season, and then all of a sudden he came on really strong. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a big dude too. He um, is. So I wonder if they're gonna, you know, in a goal line role, especially like if they're willing to throw in the red zone, mm-hmm. he probably has a lot more value than any other anybody else in that team. I mean, yeah. he's what six five two two twenty. Yeah, he big, yeah, big dude. He, he is. Yeah, he kind of towers over everybody in that wide receiver room. I'm I'm fairly interested in it. I'm with you. I get the hesitation with Mario Cristobal. I I am with you. I like Shannon Dawson. I think it's a good hire if he lets Dawson do his thing. He is. Um, you know, I think that there's some potential for Colby Young. I liked what I saw out of him on the field last year. I mean, the guy made some, uh, I mean, he, his catch radius is, is a mile wide. He, he can really bring it down. So, uh, if they're, if they're able to air it out a little bit there, I, I like the potential that I see with Colby Young, but man, I, I totally get it. And Mario loves to dabble and he loves to ground and pound and slow things down to a screeching halt. So. Where do you where do you feel comfortable taking him in drafts? Colby Young. Yeah, I have him as right around my wide receiver. I think it's somewhere around thirty eight to forty, somewhere in that range. Oh, so hot, probably high. I just took him around twenty one of a draft. Yeah, and, and I, I think you could probably go earlier than that. He's yeah, he's the guy that uh, even before I started seeing some of these spring camp reports, he was the guy that I was most willing to take a shot on. Um, if, if they do open up that offense, I think because of where Shannon Dawson's from and working under Dana Holgerson, I haven't also counted out Xavier Restrepo because like we saw from tank Dell and like we've seen in the past at West Virginia, the, the slot position can be a pretty big factor in that type of offense. So, but I, I just think Colby Young, probably the best wide receiver. And we're starting to see some reports that are, that are kind of verifying that thought process. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Um, pretty flexible early on though with him. Yeah. He, Let, I don't want to, I don't want to force, um, like, I think he's a better player than Xavier Restrepo is. And I so I don't want to yeah. force, force that same, like, Hey, he's a slot target right. slot. Like, yeah. I think this is one where it's like position agnostic, best player. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't, we don't, we've never seen Dawson be an off the coordinator, have we? Or at least not in the last like decade or so. No, I mean he he called plays there at Houston for the last year and a half, but oh, true. But that that's a, but even that is debatable. As I wrote in, in in my report, there are there are definitely some rumors that he lost his play calling duties after they lost to I think it was Tulane last year. He got kind of stripped of that uh, duty and that Dana actually took it back over. And that's when they kind of really shot off last year at, at Houston. So yeah, but that other I assume than that, that Colton Houston calls the plays like 20 years the whole right. time. Yeah. Yeah. And or at least you run like, his system and he and tells it, you what to call. And that's, and there, it sounds like Houston's going back to that this year. It's going to be Dana calling sense. the plays. Well, let's good. go over to, uh, let's go over to Notre Dame here. Um, and Let's talk about a potential position change. Word is, is that running back Chris Tyree has actually been moved to the slot and is competing with Jaden Thomas and interestingly enough, Jaden Greathouse 
at the slot position. So um, a a strange mix of players there. Chris Tyree standing next to Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse has to be kind of funny uh, seeing the, the different body types there. But um, they said right now they are just trying it out. It's nothing that is set in stone uh, with Tyree. Uh, but the staff just wants to find ways to get him on the field, get him the ball, because they think he's a dynamic player. Uh, do you think this can work with him moving to that position? Um, I don't know. That's <laughs> I, I think, think he's the, a really talented player, but I don't think he's a good running back. I think the writing is, I think more than anything, the writing is on the wall for him that, hey, man, running back ain't it for you. We've got bodies there that are pretty good and you're just you're no better than an RB three on this team. So let's try you out at at slot. Is am I crazy for thinking that that's pretty much what's happening here? No, he's following the seven McGee path, right? Of yep. Undersized running back because a really good pass catcher. Move him to the slot. Dude, yeah, seven McGee's. He transferred out of Oregon. He's like Nevada or, or something R- now. I, I yeah something. I thought maybe he even went um, FCS, but yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the other two in this room? Cause they are very interesting. You talk about a big slot, um, Jaden Greathouse, Jackson state. You're right. Sorry. And yeah. Um, Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas, uh, are also in this inside receiver position in this room. What are your thoughts on that? I have no idea. Um, I don't think Jaden Greathouse is ready to start week one. That's surprising. I mean, I don't even know if Jaden Thomas is really, that quality of a player. I think this would be a really interesting season for Notre Dame because I don't think they have a good replacement for Michael Mayer, at least even close to the same level of athlete that he was at tight end. So you're going to let need to leverage wide receivers. And they had, I mean, they were bottom 10 in terms of uh, passing, receiving yards accumulated by the receiver position last year. That concerns me in general. I don't, I, there's not really an offensive piece that I want to target that bad on this team. Even though I really like Sam Hartman. I mean, yeah, it's it's just concerning. Like I don't it like is. that Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greyhouse are the the two options. I feel like you should have someone better. I I'll give quick thoughts on Jaden Greyhouse. So he's he's the freshman, incoming freshman uh, from Texas that's coming in, four star wide receiver there. Uh, I've watched a little bit of his tape. There's nothing about him that screamed uh, slot wide receiver to me. This no. my thoughts are maybe this is the, like he's he's not an a really dynamic athlete in my opinion from what i saw just the movement skills wise i wonder if maybe on down the road that they bulk him up and he almost becomes kind of like a tight end type type of player i know that sounds crazy a lot of people are really high on him as far as wide receiver but uh i didn't i didn't love some of the tape that i saw on him and and i'm with you Jaden thomas he's he's fine but it's it's maybe a situation where if chris tyree does show out he can kind of win this job Uh, just because there's not a ton of competition there for him. So who knows? Uh, You could end up having a little bit of value left with your uh, Chris Tyree shares after all. So we'll see how it plays out. Interesting if he has eligibility, by the way, on Pantrax, if he keeps RB eligibility. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and if if he does become that slot receiver, I really hope that Fantrax gives kind of that dual eligibility because it wouldn't be out of the question that he also sees some snaps, you know, in the backfield, yeah. uh, especially, especially if there's any injuries or anything like that. So, uh, um, we'll, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Um, let's move over to central Florida and 
if you thought Demarcus Bowman was uh, was gone from the face of the earth, he has reappeared. He is he is on his second transfer now. The former Clemson, former Florida Gator running back, now turned uh, UCF uh, running back. Demarcus Bowman has apparently been impressing the staff over there at UCF with some of their practices. Word is is that he and uh, Harvey have been the the one-two punch running with the ones in practice at, at running back there. And I I don't know what to make of this. I, I keep thinking that Demarcus Bowman is just a figment of our imagination and that he's not a real person. <laughs> Do you buy any of this, Chris? No. <laughs> what do you know <laughs> like didn't he so he went from like he lost a ton of weight right which is already he's a still, problem he's, he's like 190 ish now yeah one, 187 190 he's kind of in that range and i think yeah, that this is year this is what this is is this year four? year four for him so i think we can safely say so. that's that's what he is he is no more than than 187 to 190 do no, we, and I, he weighed less than that when he was at Florida too. I think he weighed at like 180 or something. Like so, yeah. he lost a ton of weight at one point, and I was like, "What is going on with this dude?" I no, until I see him on the field <laughs> playing well, I refuse to acknowledge that we are. We it is Marcus Bowman time. The Marcus Bowman time. I think um, I'm a hundred percent with you there. I, I I cannot buy into this until I actually see him getting carries and and he actually looks productive with them. Um, but I think so. He got zero production last year. Are we are we safe to say that that was because it was his second transfer and he was not a grad transfer? So he had to sit out last year, right? Like that, that's what that's his situation. Yeah, right? he would he would have had he would have had. Yeah. To. So it does show that the NCAA actually may not give a waiver to everybody. Um, but yeah, I, I can't I can't buy into it. I got to see him. I got to see him on the field doing stuff. Bottom line. Yeah, he needs he needs to be there for it to happen. I it, like I need to see him on the field. I'm dead serious. I don't care how hyped he is. Let's uh, let's go all the way across the country, um, all the way over to San Diego State. Let's talk a little bit uh, here for just a minute. We they had their spring game actually on I think it was Friday of last week. Didn't get a ton of information out of some of the reports that I was looking for. I tried to dig. Hopefully, Matt can maybe find a little bit more. Uh, but we did get a couple things, and that is what the quarterback room looks like there. Obviously, this is Jalen Maiden's job. He uh, kind of came out of nowhere last year. He was playing safety initially over there at San Diego State. Uh, they had some injuries, had some poor quarterback play. They tried him there because that's what he was when before he transferred from Mississippi State. Uh, turns out worked out pretty well for him. He finished the season pretty strong. However, uh, he did not have a strong uh, spring game here. He threw for 219 yards, but he had zero touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, the quarterback room as a whole had five interceptions in the game. Apparently, it was a spring game just absolutely dominated by the defense. Does this worry you at all, Chris? Does this just kind of what we expect from the San Diego State defense? I mean... It's what I expect from Jalen Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I he not a, played not a Jalen Maiden fan, huh? He played fine last year at like yeah. the end of the year, but I mean, 
did he have a game where he was over like 60% completion to, in the last like couple weeks? Probably not. I remember his bowl yeah. game. He didn't complete 20 passes. I can tell you that. And he threw three picks and I think he had like three fumbles or something. It was a horrendous performance. The reason that they lost that game, despite MTSU being a substantially worse team, I have very little faith in Jalen Maiden uh, passing. He's a really good athlete and has a yeah. really good rusher with big upside. So if the, the offensive line is a little bit better. It's kind of interesting. Um, they're going to be more pass heavy this year than I think they've done in the past, which is, which is going to be interesting. Um, it, depending how, how deep your league is, um, I think you can, well, I think he's being drafted anyway. And I think that's probably right. But wide receiver Makai Shaw is kind of interesting. If they do follow through and being pass heavy. He's a name that does continue to pop up on some of these uh, spring practice reports, Makai Shaw. So I think that's a good call. As far as Maiden's concerned, I I think I had a little bit of hopes for him because, like you said, the, the word is is that they are going to try to pass the ball a little bit more this year. He is somebody that I thought maybe could develop with more time under center since he was out of you know playing a, a totally different position up until part of the the season last year. So I thought maybe he could develop. Um, but yeah, this, this performance doesn't exactly, um, make you feel all warm and fuzzy if you're, if you're looking to draft him at the end of your drafts, but, um, I'm probably not going to put too much stock into it. He's still a guy that I might be interested in taking a late round flyer on and, and just kind of seeing how it goes. He, he also, his value probably wildly defers if you're depending on how many points you have for passing touchdowns because he's way more way more interesting in a four point for passing touchdown league than a six point passing touchdown league yeah that's that's probably fair let's uh let's talk about a couple of injuries unfortunately uh not all news is is good news here from some of these spring reports the first one we're going to touch on here is texas a&m wide receiver and their star wide receiver really uh, which is Evan Stewart uh, apparently had a ankle injury uh, at the time of the report that I was reading uh, over this weekend, a little bit unknown kind of what the situation is here. Timetable for his return is unknown, but it does sound likely that he is done for the spring. So kind of a bummer because we wanted to see him get that full spring uh, with the new OC there, with Connor Wiegman, you know, having a full spring, the two of them kind of building that rapport. Um, any thoughts on Evan Stewart and his ankle injury? Are you are you uh, an Evan Stewart guy? Do you are you looking for him in drafts, or is he somebody that you'll generally pass on? He goes too early for me, given mm-hmm. that I don't know that the offense. So he's a top ten round pick, or has been at least from from ADP that I've looked at and and just drafts. That's kind of high, although I do think he's a really good player. He's probably my top wide receiver in that class if, you know, we're ranking them today. Um, I don't. I need to know how bad this ankle injury is because I think he could have a really productive – I think he could have a 1,000-yard season. I just – it worries right. me um, yeah. how bad the injury is. And I don't know that – I don't know that Bobby Petrino is actually calling plays. <laughs> if you did, I don't know if you saw the in- interview that – Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I week. saw it. He's like, we'll address it when the time comes or something like that. You just brought in a new OC for like a demand from the athletic department to do so, buddy. Like, are you really going to keep doing this? Jim, Jimbo's got to beat his chest every once in a while when he gets the opportunity to, especially when when the AD and fans think they can push Jimbo into a corner. He he will let them know, my contract's fully guaranteed. You guys need to shut up. I'll call plays if I want to. Um, yeah, that's – who knows what that situation is there. And it's going to be such a beautiful disaster. I cannot wait uh, for, the, for the Bobby Petrino, um, Jimbo Fisher uh, marriage. It's going to be awesome. 
Um, yeah, until we get more more news on on Evan Stewart, it's not going to change my thoughts. Uh, if you like Evan Stewart, continue to draft Evan Stewart. If you don't, continue to pass on him uh, unless we hear that this is you know a, a serious injury, a, a fracture, or um, you know something that's that's going to require surgery. But if it's just something that's going to keep him out, don't worry about it. Talking about another wide receiver that um, that is also injured, moving over to TCU, true freshman wide receiver, four-star Cordell Russell uh, has apparently broken his collarbone uh, from what we've heard out of their spring practice report. So his spring is done as well. Uh, generally broken collarbones six to eight weeks is, is what you look at, not something that is a long term or or something that is is going to limit him i would i would not think in the fall um but this is a guy that apparently had been looking pretty good as soon as he arrived on campus there we're talking about a big very athletic wide receiver um has a lot of some really nice comps uh from an athletic profile on our uh, our comp page over at c2c what are your thoughts on on cordell russell do you think this impacts him in any way and his ability to move up that death chart to be a player that that TCU can count on this fall. I was going to ask you what the uh, timetable recovery looked like. So now that yeah. I know that, I'm less concerned. I hate that he lost the practice time. That's my biggest issue. Sure. From a health health standpoint, probably fine, um, yep. it sounds like. Uh, I just hate that he lost it because their, their spring practice just started last week. So it wasn't like they were halfway through or almost done wrapping up. He he got hurt one of the first days of practice, which stinks for him because he is, like you said, an incredible athlete. 90, we have him 99th percentile speed score, just like 6'2". I think he's like 210, 205. Yeah. Really special player athletically. I'm going to be following him in the fall pretty closely. Just – from especially from like a CFF dynasty standpoint, like he's somebody that I'm really, really interested in because they lost so much production this year and they have really good players, but I think he fits well with like the Jordan Hudson types. Like I think he's just as talented or yeah. more talented. So it's a, it's a weird wide receiver room in that obviously there's, there's some attrition there and it's a lot of transfers. I mean, they got a lot of transfers coming in yeah. and, they had a couple of nice, um, you know, between Hudson and Allen, DJ Allen. They had a couple of nice uh, freshmen from last year that are that are held over to this year, and and now he comes in and yeah, I mean, boy, I whenever I was watching the All American game that he was playing in the uh, the high school All American game, I watched him run a couple of routes and I'm like, who is this behemoth of a uh, wide receiver out there just towering over some of these wide receivers? And I started looking it up, and I was like, yeah, boy, I. We, uh, I, I can get why people are pretty excited about the athletic profile for him because it's uh, it's pretty impressive. So, yeah, that's the the bummer part. I don't, I don't think it's going to impact him in any way as far as his, you know, once he's healthy. But it's just bummer that he's he's missing out in the spring. Yeah, for sure. Let's go over to Purdue and uh, talk about their QB situation. So, um, new OC. Graham Harrell comes in from West Virginia and formerly of USC, and he brings his air raid type offense and kind of makes you a little interested in what that QB room, the makeup of, makeup of it might look like. They get in transfer Hudson Card from Texas, who lost out in competition with Quinn Ewers. And then uh, even though he was once in the portal, he pulled back out. Brady Allen is also there in that quarterback room. 
And word is uh, from Graham Harrell himself is that Hudson Card is way ahead as far as his ability to understand uh, the concepts and the scheme. Uh, he said his experience level is um, very obvious when they're out there on the field uh, with the, the all the quarterbacks together and that Hudson Card has a chance to be, quote, special, which is not how we've described Hudson Card in a long time. But, uh, I mean, he was a guy that was, what, a top five to seven QB recruit when he was coming out in his class. Yeah. So uh, I can see how the potential is there. Are you uh, are you buying this? Does Hudson Card interest you at all, Chris? Um, as like a last round depth quarterback, if he's like my four or five, maybe. Yeah. Um, is he somebody five, you you've done uh, best balls so far, and I I haven't yet. Yeah. Um, is he somebody that has been taken that you've noticed in drafts, or is he just uh, still sitting there towards the very end? He goes uh, within the last like three or four rounds. Okay. Um, generally speaking, I mean, I think I think that makes sense, right? Graham Harrell will bring good passing concepts, and they will throw more than I thought they would. I really liked the hire of Brian Walters. Was concerned who he would bring in as an OC, and this kind of proved that he um, isn't probably not going to be the traditional defensive head coach takes over and like limits the offensive production. So yeah. I think it's positive in that aspect. I just don't really know what to expect heading into this year. Cause they, they lost pain Durham and Chuck sizzle. So like who steps up in this passing game? Do they have the depth to, to pull that off? I I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, does it worry you at all for Brady Allen? Uh, I don't, I don't know. get, I don't get there. There, there are Brady Allen stands out there. And I have to say, I don't get it. I, I get, he's, he's, he's big, he's strong arm. Uh, he was in a, a Braum offense. Now he's in a Harrell offense, but man, this dude was the QB four last year. He's, he's now clearly the QB two. I mean, at what point do we say, okay, this guy just doesn't have it. I, I mean, I think you can probably cut bait. Yeah. You could probably cut bait at the end of this year. You could probably cut bait now if you wanted to. At least, like, you don't have to drop them, but, like, move them for maybe a higher upside piece if you wanted to. Like, I just – right, so Card has, what, two, at least two more years of eligibility. I think he has two, yeah. Yeah. Brady Allen probably needs to transfer out or he needs to beat Card. Doesn't sound like he's going to beat Card now. So you have another wasted year of Allen. So going into year three, you don't have anybody who started – a player who has not started a game, if, assuming health and everything. Um he's going to transfer out. He's going to have to go probably go G five. Like, is he a transfer candidate after spring? Um, he could be, if he realizes the writings on the wall, right? He's already entered portal once. That's what I'm saying, man. This is a guy. If, if, if you get the, if you get the, your, your offensive coordinator saying, quote, your competition is special. You've already entered the transfer portal once. What's stopping you from going again? Yeah. I, I, that's rookie mistake by Graham Harrell not saying, oh, it's a really close competition. <laughs> yeah, just lying. Yeah. So you have, depth, you have depth. Uh, let's talk about another Big Ten uh, QB room here. Uh, the beauty of Wisconsin football under their new coaching staff is, is that every single practice, all 15 of them are going to be open to the public. And so we are already getting some really good information. Uh, and they they literally let the the reporters stay for the entire practice so they were writing wow. down the yeah the early very early just a, a couple of practices in 
depth chart here. And at quarterback, not a big surprise. Tanner Mordecai, transfer from SMU, formerly of Oklahoma, is uh, was the clear QB one. He took every snap with the QBs uh, with the with the first team offense. Also interesting here though is QB two was not Nick Evers. It was actually Braden Lockie, who is a transfer from Mississippi State. Uh, yeah, all three quarterbacks here are transfers. And that QB3 oh. was actually Nick Evers. And Nick Evers was splitting the QB3 reps. Uh, Lockie was the clear QB2. Now, that's not to say that in practice three, they don't mix it up and give Nick Evers, you know, his run at, at QB2. But um, what are your early thoughts on this quarterback room and how that's kind of playing out? I had been told last year that Nick Evers um, struggled a little bit when he got on campus at Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, I may have heard that from someone here today. (laughs) (laughs) And so I have, I have, this does not surprise me just based on, based on knowing, knowing that and and the coverage that you had done on Nick Evers and just like, people were really excited that when he went there, that he could beat out Tanner Mordecai. There was never at all every, any question in my mind that it was going to be Tanner Mordecai's job. So I'm glad that it, practices are playing out that way because I didn't expect anything different. I'm excited about this offense, though, because I, I think they have some skill on the outside, mm-hmm. and it's definitely going to be a, a new a new approach. Yeah. And I think it's probably better for Braylon Allen. Like, I think this is like a rising tide lifts all ship situation. Like, he's not going to face eight, eight nine-man boxes consistently. Absolutely. Uh, they did release the uh, wide receiver depth chart as well, too. I know that bell and dk were running with the ones i couldn't i i was unfamiliar with who the other wide. there was a third wide receiver running with the ones i was not familiar with his name i can't remember it off the top of my head um it does sound like williams the transfer from usc was running with the twos and i believe bryson green the transfer from oklahoma state was uh has been dinged up and he was uh limited in practice so he was not running with any of them really at this point so just something to keep an eye on there uh like chris mentioned totally new offense we covered it on debbie debate uh last week where you know this is this is gonna this isn't gonna look like your normal wisconsin uh badger offense so keep an eye on kind of how that wide receiver room uh looks coming into the fall camp so that pretty much wraps up what we're looking at with spring. Um, again, if you aren't following Matt Bruning and listening to his spring camp reports, um, then you're really missing out. If you want that information, uh, as, if you're doing any drafts right now, whether it be best balls, whether it be your C2C drafts, anything like that, you really need to check out what Matt's doing because it's really good, really good information there. Let's turn the page here over and talk about some bounce back candidates. We both have a handful of players here that we think have the potential to, um, you know, kind of bounce back. These are guys that could, you know, after we were either really high on them last year, or maybe just didn't pan out after, you know, for whatever reason, injury, coaching situation, um, just on field performance. But we think maybe after a busted season or, you know, underperforming season that these guys could rebound and actually have a pretty nice year. Some of these guys are going to vary as far as our overall value on them and where you can get them in drafts. Some of them are going much higher than others, but um, we think that they're potential candidates to kind of take off here. So let's dive right in. The first one that I want to discuss here 
is Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke. We've we've already touched on the Miami offense a little bit here and some of our concerns with Mario Cristobal constantly micromanaging, but Shannon Dawson has been hired from Dana Holgerson, the offensive coordinator, formerly the offensive coordinator at Houston is where is where Dawson was. I think this gives Tyler Van Dyke a opportunity to see more of what we saw when Rhett Lashley was the offensive coordinator there at Miami. Um, you probably won't wouldn't have find found anybody that was more cold on Tyler Van Dyke going into last year than I was. I, I was just totally off on Miami. I hated the com. It's not just Cristobal. It was the combination of Gaddis and Cristobal. It's like those two. Um, there was nobody at any point in that room to say, hey, why don't we push the tempo a little bit here today? So um, I was totally off Tyler Van Dyke, but I think he could be in line for a little bit of a rebound season. Um, and 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 they could open that up. And this is a guy that averaged 20, close to 28 points per game at the end of that 2021 season. And then I think he was down around like like 15, 16 points per game last year. It wasn't pretty. I think he could push more in that kind of mid-20s range. Do you think that's remotely possible, or do you think Mario is just going to have his his finger too much on that offense? Kind of what we talked about before. I see the path to it. I am – I don't know. I just – I saw what he did to Justin Herbert. I saw what he did to Tyler Van Dyke last year. I I need to see Tyler Van Dyke do it. Maybe I just need to see their game plan week one. That's going to tell me everything I need to know. And th- at that point, pro- I'm probably too late. And Van Dyke Van Dyke's already had for the bounce back. But you're getting him at such a discount where it probably doesn't even matter if you want to take a shot at him as a yeah. QB three, QB four. I think that's I think that's where the the value lies. There is that so many people are going to be swayed by what they saw from him last year. Um, and you, I think you can get him yeah, at a cheap enough price to where even if we don't see the offense take off, like, like I think maybe it could, um, it's not going to cost you much. And that's, that's kind of the, the value there. So that's uh that's somebody that I, that I think let's move on to one of your bounce back candidates here. Let's talk about, Rasheen Ali, running back, Marshall, obviously somebody that had a monster 2021. I mean, you talk about a guy that was just unbelievable, uh, really kind of coming out of nowhere. Um, I know Kyle Francis was somebody that actually had discussed uh, Rasheen Ali a little bit before that 2021 season. And uh, I'll be damned if he wasn't right, because Ali just kind of broke out in a big way. But um, 2022, not so much. Uh, you know, Word was early on, maybe some off personal stuff going on, kept him from being on the field. And then we found out later on and just actually he was just injured and uh, he came back towards the end of the year, kind of took that role back, but Kalen LeBourne had proven that he was good enough to where that was kind of a split backfield, even at the end of the season. Talk to me about um, Rasheen Ali and, and why you think he's a strong bounce back candidate. Yeah, that, that pissed me off so much that Charles Huff hid behind like, Oh, he's away from the team. Like, right. Yeah, technically, probably because he's rehabbing an injury that he had in fall camp last year. Like the, I I don't understand why why we needed to even use mental health as an excuse here. Just like say like it was ridiculous. That Bottom was... line, when he when it came out at the bowl game that he'd been injured the whole time. I think it was like a slip of the tongue. And I was right. like, you sob. 
there were so many thoughts and prayers going out for Rasheen Ali early in the season, man. And and uh, not that they weren't warranted. He was still injured. But, man, yeah, when you make it sound like it's a mental health thing, it turns out it's, eh, it's just kind of like a knee scope. So we're all good now. Yeah, that's – yeah, that mm. – and maybe part of it was mental health with the recovery, but sure. certainly not the main driver based on Charles Tuff's comments later. Um, he's – but, no, we what we saw from Ali two seasons ago was a 23 touchdowns. Uh, like one of the most utilized players in both the receiving and the rushing game in the country. Uh, Marshall returned 70% of their offensive production on the offensive line. I think that's really important in terms of consistency because they were good last year rushing team. Kalen LeBoer is gone. I think I, he's being drafted highly. So this isn't like a surprise to anybody, but sure. just me like saying I have complete confidence in him rebounding to at least being like a top five back, top six back. I think I I think I have him as my RB two. Am I am I am I too high? And we talked about. I think Top is good. We talked about this last year too. He was somebody that we debated um, because I was I was higher on him. I had him as my RB one going into last year. Um, And and we you know a lot of a lot of us at campus Canton thought that maybe that was a little bit too high. So um, maybe I'll get burned again. I don't know. I hope uh, I hope he's able to to bounce back. But I I am. I'm with you. I'm I'm all in on Rasheen Ali. It's an offense. We just we want that running back position, man. They've they've proven that they can churn out high end fantasy producers there. Yeah, he and he he specifically gave us what we were looking for. I mean, at the end of the year, he had a hundred yard game and then like a almost like a ninety plus yard game as well. It's like we saw who he was at the end of the year. Like this is a guy who's an incredible player. We just need to have him not get hurt slash mental health again. I don't, right. I don't know. <laughs> um, let's, let's take a look at a guy that uh, a little bit further uh, down in, in I'm sure everybody's rankings, if he's even ranked at all. And that is old dominion quarterback Hayden Wolf. So I'm, I'm going to caveat this by saying this is a guy that probably isn't even being taken in drafts. Um, had a little bit of, of interest going into last season uh, just because he was coming off of a strong finish in 2021. And they had some nice pieces in that offense last year at wide receiver and tight end. But uh, this is a guy that underperformed last year, kind of lost his job at times and is now in the midst of a quarterback competition there at ODU. So, So he hasn't even, he hasn't even won the job yet. Uh, but here's why I think he's a strong bounce back candidate. And it is strictly because of coaching change. Kevin Decker uh, is the new offensive coordinator there at Old Dominion. And he was previously at Fordham for the last four years. And if you've read my coaching article on the Sunbelt coaching changes, then you could probably pick up that I'm kind of high on on what what they've got going on there at Old Dominion, because I think this is a really strong hire. Kevin Decker is a guy that studied the Josh Heupel offense, the the Baylor veer and shoot. That is what he ran at Fordham. And he last year led the um, led his conference. And I want to say he was maybe second in FCS in scoring. They averaged around 49 points per game around 400 passing yards per game. I mean, this is an all out looks very similar to what you saw last year at Tennessee uh, with Josh Heupel. So 
I'm I'm betting because of his experience that Hayden Wolf wins this job. If he does, I think he's a real good sleeper candidate to have a nice um, return uh, on your investment. So that's that's kind of my thoughts. Have you have you um, had any consideration for Hayden Wolf at all, Chris? So I have not, and it's not necessarily because um, of the new offense, which is like it, it's it's Tennessee's offense, like you said, which yeah. is exactly what we want at this level too, because you can exploit um, weaker athletes a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just don't know who those athletes are going to be for, that he's throwing the ball to, right? Sure. Blake Watson transferred to Memphis. Allie Jennings transferred to uh, Virginia Tech, and Zach Koontz declared for the NFL draft. I don't know. So I, if we believe in Hayden Wolf's bounce back, and I think he will have a bounce back. I think you're right there. Who is the primary beneficiary? Because I, I just don't know who that is. I think it's probably Javon Harvey um, okay. would be my guess, just because he's the most seasoned guy in that room. He's kind of considered the leader of the wide receivers there. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this is a total – um, you know, projection on my part. Uh, and, and like I said, I can't even project that he's technically going to win the job. The, the uh, Decker actually brought the backup quarterback from Fordham with him over to Old Dominion. And I don't know if this guy's any good. The, the back, it, he's a backup because the starter was an All-American at the FCS yeah. level. He just didn't have a chance. And the starter was a four-year starter there at Fordham. So um, who knows? But uh, clearly the other guy that, that he brought with him knows the system uh, very well. But um, but this I think is, if Hayden, this is shooting from deep. He's calling your shot. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty deep. He's a guy that if I were in a best ball right now, I and and I'm looking to take a shot on a late quarterback. Uh, I, I actually probably would take a shot on Hayden Wolf. I think I think the um, there's virtually no risk. And I, I think he could bounce yeah. back pretty nicely this year. He has been drafted in each, Has he? each okay. of the drafts that I've almost every one of the drafts I've been in that okay. at least go beyond 25 rounds. He's been drafted. Um, so Very nice. at that price, the upside is, is massive. Sure. Considering sure. The, the offense and system. So I can't, I can't hate it. Okay. Let's move on to a guy, uh, a name that everybody's familiar with, uh, obviously. And that would be uh, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers. This is uh, a, a guy that you have put on the show sheet here as a bounce back candidate. Um, obviously yours five-star, you know, uh, all American, everything coming out of high school, spent a little bit of time at Ohio state, got a cup of coffee there with Ryan day and and then moved on to Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, this will be his second season as a starting quarterback there at Texas last year, definitely had its shares of ups and downs, despite what Matt Bruning would like for you to believe he, he was not great (laughs) at times. Um, but what uh, what makes you believe that we should jump back in the onto the Quinn Ewers bandwagon here? So, is it the, is have, it the fact that he got a haircut? Is that it? That's part of it. <laughs> he looked like ho- you take him a lot more seriously now than <laughs> I mean, he looked like Joe Dirt. Now he looks like just a regular old Texas <laughs> high school quarterback. He 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 definitely that definitely helps. The perception, right? I'm not sure how high I can have a bad mullet right. ranked. Um, but besides besides that key element, um, I think he was hurt last year more than was led on. Okay. He had that shoulder injury that knocked him out of the Alabama game. Then he had a hand injury where he like was wearing um, 
gloves in his hand, which is something that he had never done previously. And he said that it was for like a, a bad nail that fell off or something, but he wore it for a long time and his play was like really bad afterwards. Um, I just, I just wonder if there was more there. Right. But when we saw him in the Alabama game, we saw a player who could be a top three quarterback in the country at the time. Sure. That was a phenomenal, right? Like 0.67 EPA per play, 11.2 yards per play. And he only played two drives in that game. He was, they were on their way on their way to set upsetting them. Texas offense has me really interested, right? 49.6 neutral game script pass rate, which is 2.7% above average. We know that Steve Sarkeesian can produce good offense, good offensive players, good schemes. I do believe Queen Ewers is not going to lose that job to Arch Manning this year. And so I want the, I want that type of player. I like the players that they've surrounded him with. Xavier Worthy gives a deep threat when he can catch the ball. John T. Cook is an awesome incoming freshman. Isaiah Neal is kind of like a possession guy on the outside. Um, I don't think he can separate very well, but he does give him a big option outside. Um, I like the transfer of AD Mitchell. They have a ton of depth still there um, mm-hmm. with Whittington. So I think it's a really good situation for him to succeed. And I think they're going to pass more because they lost B. John Robinson. Like I, I don't think the guys behind him are nearly as good. Um, it'll probably be a committee. I don't think you're going to have to rely on the rush game the same way they did last year. So I, I am in at like, Quarterback 20. Everyone else has him outside, like the top 35. Um, but I okay. I mean, I just – there's so much there for him to succeed. I am 100% in agreement with you with the weapons that he has surrounding him. I, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better wide receiver room uh, in the country and um, obviously a, a coach that has a history of producing some really strong – fantasy relevant quarterbacks. So a hundred percent agree with you there. My, I think my, I think my biggest concern is when we talk about him moving up inside that top 20 of QBs, whenever I, whenever I'm looking to draft somebody in that range, for me, two things have to happen. And that quarterback either has to have big rush upside to, um, you know, get me a, a close to a thousand yards or 10 touchdowns, or that quarterback's got to have big passing volume upside. I'm talking about a Mike Leach, a Zach Kitley, a Ben Arbuckle type of type of system. And I don't know that I can place him in either one of those buckets. And so that's, that's my only concern with Quinn yours in that high. That, I do think it's a very efficient. He has a chance to be a very efficient quarterback. That is the path to success. Yeah. Like the, they will not get to the point where they're throwing like 55, 60% in neutral game scripts. That's just very few offenses get there. Um, I just think that the weapons line themselves up where he, he's going to have like a 23 for 30 game, 300 yards, three touchdowns. That's the path. Not like a 50 attempt game. So yes, it's, it's betting on the efficiency and the surrounding talent. He is going as quarterback 23 in our ADP currently. That's probably high for what it's worth. Okay. Um, yeah. And I have him ranked 20. But I have seen him go much later than that in drafts. Like he he's generally speaking available in like round fifteen to twenty range. Okay. And I've ta- I'm taking him there. Like I think there's just the upside. But I also took him last year in like round four. So. I do. I will. I will say that I do think he's somebody that has a really a really high floor. Um, he's not yeah, losing probably. that. He's he's not losing that job unless you know he just is god awful against Alabama. And even still, what are they, what are they going to do? throw a true freshman in there. I mean, I guess it could happen. That's what happened with Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler. But um, yeah, I, I do think he's got a strong floor. So getting him in, in that round 15 to 20 range, um, I, I, I don't hate. So 
Let's move to uh, another guy that's a little bit of shooting from deep here. And bounce back candidate here for me is Nathaniel Pete, running back over at Missouri. This is a guy that a lot of us, myself, um, I know Mike Bainbridge was pretty high on him last year, going into last year, but this is a guy that was a, you know, we, we had projected as a top 20 running back, top 25 running back going into last season. And most of that is because we want uh, an Eli Drinkwitz running back. I mean, we saw it with Tyler Beatty and how, you know, how much volume he got. Nathaniel Peter transferred in from Stanford. Um, he, you know, was in the midst of, of kind of, trying you know to win that running back competition he got the carries early on and um had some inopportune you know turnovers he he fumbled the ball in the back of the end zone which cost them one of their games last year i think was it kentucky maybe um can't remember which which game it was but anyways he yeah he um he had some some poor turnovers untimely turnovers ended up kind of losing that job to cody schrader who was a walk-on transfer from, I think, Truman State. Um, here's why Nathaniel Pete is a bounce-back candidate for me. Um, we do have some pretty good spring reports so far. The staff saying that he looks improved. He looks like he's taken the offseason seriously. That's nice. Um, we've got a, a coordinator in, new coordinator in, that when we saw what Jordan Mims did last year, he had over 280 touches. So we've got a good system where they will use – you know, a, a workhorse. We still have a Cody Schrader problem, right? He's still there. Um, but Cody Schrader didn't exactly set the world on fire when he was playing. We, we talk about one of the least efficient uh, running backs in the SEC last year. One thing that I liked is I kind of dove into the numbers with Nathaniel Pete. He had a really strong breakaway percentage um, and it, like a breakaway rush percentage. He was like, I want to say he was like top 10 to 12 in the country. And obviously some of his carries were limited. I think he only had like around 120 carries or something like that. But I started to look at the trend and historically those top 10 breakaway percentage guys had really strong seasons the following season. Like if you have that ability to be a game breaker, it really kind of um, allows you to uh, be a strong fantasy asset. So that's why I'm kind of projecting him as somebody that maybe he wins this job back and we see a little bit closer to what we had expected from him the year before. Chris, do you think I'm just totally off my rocker and thinking that maybe he could be where we thought he might be? No, I don't think you're crazy. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> Cody Schrader still being there is kind of a bummer, but I, I agree. I don't think he was really that impressive. Um, I think it's a team that runs really well. I'm really interested to see who gets passing work here. Um, and I think I would lean Pete in that aspect. Um, Probably. Because, right, Kirby Moore is the new um, new offense coordinator. And I right. think that he he was under um, Kalen DeBoer at Fresno State. And that was a team that passed a lot to their running backs. Sure. And so I, I think Pete has that edge, just like based on his skill set and body type. So if that's the case, then I'm definitely in on Pete. And like, I don't even think he's being drafted currently. So right, and I think that's more kind of yeah, that's more kind of what I I wanted to point out. That I think that he again, kind of like Hayden Wolf, he's another guy. Maybe you take as a late round flyer and just kind of see what happens. Um, Maybe you handcuff him with with Cody Schrader. But yeah, to your point, 
Eli Drinkowitz always also loves to pass to the running back. We saw yeah. that Tyler Tyler Beatty had close to 50 catches or whatever um, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I think um, late round potential there is kind of where I'd put it. Let's uh, let's discuss your guy here, quarterback Clay Millen as a rebound candidate here. That's the quarterback for Colorado State that followed that staff over from Nevada whenever uh, they uh, they had that transition last year. Obviously. Uh, similar to Pete, a guy that we were drafting in kind of that that QB 25 range or so. I think that we, you know, this is this is year year two with him as starter. Do we see him kind of bounce back now that he's had a year under his belt? Do, is he capable of producing where we where we thought he might be able to? So last year was really bad. The entire Colorado State team. It was it was awful. Uh, most of that stems from the offensive line. The offensive line was horrendous, and that that was a lot of players who were already in the program. Um, they didn't have the depth. Players transferred out. They brought some of them from Nevada when Jay Norvell took that job. But generally speaking, it was in shambles. 124th in pass block rate, 129th in run block rate per, per PFF. Um, they bring in three transfers in the portal, and all three of them are FCS transfers. But like, where are you really going to get a transfer for Colorado State, right? Um, one of their defensive linemen converted to offensive line. It's year two in a new blocking scheme. I think there's more reason to be optimistic this year that the line won't be as bad. I think that's a, a key consideration. So they just could not pass as much as Jay Norvell wants to pass. So at, at Nevada, his last three seasons, 62.8% neutral game group pass rate. Generally speaking, he was top five in the country. Um Almost every single season, maybe it, at minimum top seven, because there's a pretty big cutoff between teams that just throw, throw, throw. And those are like our pass happy. And so Norvell falls into that air raid type mentality. Last year at Colorado State, 43.4 New game script pass rate, 20% less because they could not pass the ball. Given their offensive line, they did not have enough time to throw. And Milne suffered because of that. I like the pieces that are there in the offense. I think their wide receiver room is pretty good. Jewitter and Tory Horton, who were really high on, I think it could be a bounce back for Clay Miller. If even if they just pass more, his stats are going to be better. Even give him give him half of what Jay Norvell traditionally has done, and you're going to see a, a rebound statistically. Period. I just really like that the offense has a lot more potential in year two of a system. I'm I'm with you here. I think we can't yeah. overlook the we we can't overlook the fact of it was a massive change that Colorado state had to make to go from that offense that with Steve Adazio worst, um, worst offense, worst offensive mind in the country right now. <laughs> it, 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 to go from that a total 180 in scheme and stylistically what you're wanting to do as an offense to go from Steve Adazio to an air raid. I mean, the offensive coordinator that works, underneath Norvell there is literally the son of the developer of the air raid. I mean, this is, this is an air raid in every sense. And to have a 43% neutral game script pass rate is, is just bonkers when you think about it. So um, yes, I, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I have some concerns that we haven't seen Clay Millen be successful. Um, so that that's a little concerning, but they also, they didn't really go after anybody in the portal, right? I mean, this, they had the opportunity to try to upgrade that QB room, and they said, "No, we're good. We're going to stick with Clay Millen." So, yeah. um, no, they brought they brought back the the same thing. He only had sorry, not to cut you off, but he had twenty three attempts per game. Yeah, that's crazy as an area quarterback, right? Like, what the what the heck is going on there? 
that that I think that offensive line was just in total shambles last year. So they were. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Let's let's move over to um, to one that I'm going to bring up here. I'll be I'll be fairly quick with this one because I, I really only have one reason for putting him on here. And this bounce back candidate is Cam Porter running back uh, for Northwestern. Um, we see Evan Hole move on, right? And this is a guy that a couple of years ago, and even at the beginning of last year, kind of split reps with Evan Hole. Cam Porter is a guy that's not a very efficient running back. I have questions on just really how good of a player he is. Um, but we've seen Northwestern, just like we saw with Cam Hole, even though they're bad and they're probably going to be bad again, they still get quite a bit of volume to the running back. Um, they've, you know, and, and, and even if they are trailing in games, they will continue to run guys. Uh, everything that I'm reading out of, out of spring camp is that Cam Porter is the clear RB one there. He's the leader in the room. He's the guy that all the other running backs look up to. So um, I just, I think he's somebody that probably doesn't put up Evan Hull type numbers, but I think he's somebody that if you took in the end of your drafts uh, is a pretty strong value at that spot. Do you buy into that at all? I don't hate it. Um, okay. I've actually come around more on him than I, I think I had been. Uh, we've been talking about him and I, I think our slack yeah. recently. And and so I, Evan Hull is productive. I think Evan Hull's a better running back, which is fine. Um, but Porter looked good two years ago. Like we saw some flashes where he was pretty productive. And that was also a bad Northwestern team. That team right. wasn't quite as bad as this year's team, which is terrible, but you can see the path forward. Like it would it surprise me if at the end of the year, he has like 800 yards, 900 yards and like 10 touchdowns. Like that'll, that'll get it done and spot starts or in best ball. He has a big touchdown. Week. Like that sure. will get, that will get you what you need from a player who's barely being drafted. And if he is, he's like, you're taking him basically with no, no risk. Um, I'm also very curious what this, what the staff does in general this year, because I think Pat Fitzgerald could be fired if they have another like two and 10 season. Yeah. Yeah. They, I was thinking about that the other day. They are, um, they are essentially this, the Stanford in every sense of the big 10. I mean, yeah. they, they want to continue to just pound the ball, uh, try to try to work the line of scrimmage and um, they're, they're handcuffed in what they can do talent wise because of their academic restrictions. But yeah, um, it's just a you know just somebody that I was kind of thinking about that I think um, we we put a fair amount of value on him two years ago uh, going into drafts and I think he's somebody that could find his way um, back into some level of fantasy relevance again. So let's uh, let's head way 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 out west over here to Hawaii and uh, one of your guys here, Braden Shager. Um, somebody that we were fairly high on last year just because of you know him winning that job. And historically, Hawaii's QBs tend to be very lucrative for CFF um, production. So talk to me about uh, your thoughts on Braden Shager here. Yeah, I like Shager. I actually really like this whole offense, but he's probably the most noteworthy name. So I think they wanted to implement the run and shoot last year and then realized, okay, we don't want the personnel to do it. And B, it's going to take longer than a season. And so their offense was not at all what I think they wanted to to run. It had some elements, but not not the run and shoot the, that I think uh, Chang wants to ultimately do. That changed this this spring practice. This spring practice was all about implementing 
the system and that system is incredibly valuable for CFF points. Um, Shager is the quarterback one. I don't think there's much competition. I think he's kind of proven at times last year that he was the guy, especially given like a really uneven system. And, and uh, that program was left in really, really bad shape by Todd Graham when he, when he left, like they're, they're not a lot of pieces there. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And I, I think they're building back um, a lot. And I think that this could be a huge step forward for Hawaii this year, just based on they have the personnel they want. They lost a bunch of, of passing options to the portal, which narrows it down who I think is going to be productive. I really like Jonah Pinoke, um, 40 targets in the seven games. He's primarily an outside wide receiver. He played 90% of his snaps outside last year. I have, I don't want to say a lot of faith. Maybe that's not the right word considering how bad they were last year, but I, I think there's a lot of upside in this Hawaii offense. I, uh, I can, I can buy into that a little bit. I, I'm not a hundred percent sold on because I, I just don't know exactly what this offense is exactly going to look like, and I'm not still a hundred percent sure how good of a quarterback Braden Schrager, Schrager really is. But um, I do like the you know the run and shoot that he is trying to implement over there. I do like um, just historically what it's done for quarterbacks. So if he's able to hold on to this job. Uh, similar to Clay Millen. I mean, I, I, I think that this offense has nowhere to go but up from a passing perspective. So um, I, I could see him being somebody fairly uh, fairly relevant and probably doesn't come at much of a cost, if any, right now in, in your draft. So um, I can definitely get on board with that. Let's discuss uh, one last guy that we have here, um, and that is wide receiver Donovan Green for Wake Forest. This is a guy we've been talking about for a few years now, actually, is probably uh, a, a bounce back or, or term it however you want, breakout candidate for the last uh, few years. And um, A.T. Perry kind of stole the show after um, a couple of really strong seasons there at Wake Forest. I, uh, I'm projecting Donovan Green to be somebody that bounces back, though, uh, and ends up ha- carrying kind of kind of the theme of, of all the guys I've listed here today, having some of the value that we thought they were going to have going into 2022 didn't work out. I think this is mostly about opportunity uh, with A.T. Perry moving on. Uh, I think he is Donovan Green by by all reports I've read is is a clear starter there on the outside for Wake Forest. Uh, it sounds like uh, Griffiths actually looks pretty strong through spring camp early on here. Uh, and I, I thought he looked good when he played too last year. He did. Yeah, he did. Um, I can't remember who it was they played that game. It was pretty weak competition. But uh, Vandy. Um, was it? They played. Okay. Um, well, now, now I'm down <laughs> It was weak competition. You're right. Yeah. But he, he looks good. And, and, you know, everything indicates that maybe there's not as much of a drop-off from Sam Hartman as we thought there would be. And obviously that would be the biggest concern with with the wide receivers there. But um, I think that Donovan Green has a chance to have a really strong season. He's six foot two. He's 210 pounds. They say he's in fantastic shape right now. He's always been a, a pretty good like deep threat and big play option for Wake Forest. Just the consistency um, and constantly dealing with nagging injuries has been – uh, pretty limiting for him. So um, everything says that he's healthy right now. So I'm willing to uh, kind of label him as that, as that bounce back option there. Do you think this passing game runs through him in any way, or do you think that it's uh, going to be uh, Jamal Banks 
or any of the other wide receivers there? No, I, I think it will be, I, I'm not ready to label him as the wide receiver one. I just don't necessarily know what to do with Jamal Banks, yeah. um, but they will both play outside. Those are the two starting outside wide receivers. Wake Forest. Uh, Morin is still there, right? So he's probably the slot guy. Right. Um, there's so much value though at where he's being taken. Like he's going 15 rounds after Jamal Banks. And I don't think it's nearly as clear cut as yeah. uh, the ADP would, would tell you. I, I, I can certainly get on board with this because I don't think the office is changing. The office is going to be basically the exact same. And when we saw him against VMI, not Vanderbilt, I was okay. right, right letter, wrong, <laughs> wrong school and, uh, and conference and league. But um, I thought he looked good when we saw him. I, I, I can get on board with this. Um, okay. and I haven't drafted him at all. And I think I might now that we're, now that we're talking about it. I uh, I like Jamal Banks, and I, I am still advocating for him to be the wide receiver one. I do think Jamal Banks will be the wide receiver one, but I don't think we're going to see as heavy of a target share as what we saw with A.T. Perry, where he was getting 12 to 15 targets a game. I think Donovan Green and Jamal Banks can both exist and both um, be pretty fantasy relevant. I would I would say the two concerns I have for Green, one, his injury track record, and two, um, I like Wesley Grimes. And I think um, there's been some reports that Wesley Grimes has been really, really impressive early on this spring. And I think he's a really talented guy that also plays that outside receiver position. So, um, but if Donovan Green can hold him off and and lock up that starting gig, I think it's um, I think it, it could pay off for for owners that draft him late in drafts. I mean, he's he's going to be their primary downfield option, like you said. I think so, So, too. I mean, I'm way more, again, like, format matters so much when we talk about some of these players. But a guy whose average reception was 17 yards last year in a best ball, where he's going to be the primary outside wide receiver, like, that tells me that this is someone that I probably need, need to draft, even if it's at the end of drafts. Even if I think Wesley Grimes can come in and take some of the workload, I mean, you're going to get explosive downfield passes that help you win weeks regardless, yeah. just because of the role that he plays. Just health is health is probably the biggest concern. Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, that will pretty much wrap up our bounce back candidates um, for the day. I want to thank everybody for listening in. I want to thank Chris Moxley here for joining me here today and, and our little um, you know, what we were able to do to, to squeeze out a, uh, a CTN episode, even with Jared being gone. So thank you, Chris. And um, as Jared would put it, uh, I want you all to have a wonderful and blessed day. Take it easy, y'all. Nailed it.